The Smart Start Money Podcast. If the subject is about money in life or questioning the so-called experts on the subject, we open the conversations. This is the Smart Start Money Podcast. My name is Eric Flynn. People that are looking to purchase a home frequently question how much they can afford to pay for a house. Although numerous financial experts claim to have a simple formula for the answer, the truth is there are several factors to consider. Stick around for today's podcast episode as I talk about how much can you afford to pay for a house. Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, please remember to subscribe. You can also visit the website at smartstartmoney.com for articles on life and money. This podcast episode, I wanted to talk about how much can you afford to pay for a house? I did a podcast recently on the surging prices of homes and being able to afford a home. And I wanted to kind of follow that up with how much can a person actually afford to pay for a home? Because affordability of just the purchase cost, the down payment and monthly mortgage price, they really shouldn't be the only components to consider when trying to calculate the affordability of purchasing a house. Buying a house, it's always been part of the American dream. However, it's important to carefully consider what a buyer can realistically afford so a home purchase does not become an unaffordable nightmare. Now, if you're currently looking for how much house you can afford, maybe you stumbled into this podcast due to the title of it. I'm going to tell you many financial experts claim an acceptable amount to to spend on buying a house. A popular general rule for buying a house is generally not to spend more than about 30% of your monthly income. Even though some of the financial professionals that use a set percentage do include other expenses when coming up with the acceptable 30% of income to buy a home, I have to tell you many do not. They just simply state not to spend more than that amount when buying a house. The problem with just stating not to spend more than 30% of a person's income to purchase a home is that it doesn't factor in other expenses, such as credit card debt and student loan debt. Using a debt to income ratio is really a much better method for starting to understand what a person can afford when buying a home. And this considers all the money a person owes in debt compared to their actual income. The reason this is a more comprehensive method for figuring out home affordability is that the debt a person has, it's still going to need to be paid off even after acquiring a home. For example, if a home buyer has, let's say $40,000 in student loans, this is not just going to go away when this person buys a house. There are two common debt to income ratios that can be calculated when buying a home. The front-end debt-to-income is determined by adding up monthly housing expenses and dividing it by the gross monthly income, then multiplying the result by 100. So just to kind of give you an example here for the front-end debt-to-income, if, let's say, all a person's housing housing expenses total $2,000 and their gross monthly income is $6,200, then the debt-to-income on the front end is 32%. To determine the back end debt to income ratio is what you need to do is add up all monthly debt payments, including housing expenses, and divide this by the monthly gross income. 
So an example here is, let's say a potential home buyer with an auto loan that is $500 per month. They also have a student loan payment of $300 per month and another $300 per month toward credit card bills. And this comes out to $1,100 each month in debt that they're paying. So you combine this with the $2,000 in monthly housing expenses and this $3,100 in total monthly debts is what it is. Based on monthly income of 6,200, the back end debt to income ratio would then be 50%. Using a debt to income figure instead of just a flat percentage of gross income to calculate home affordability, I got to tell you, it's really a much better method than many financial ex experts are saying than, you know, just to throw out, don't spend more than 30% of your income. The reason for this is the calculation is much more realistic for finding what a person might actually be able to afford when buying a home. Furthermore, banks will regularly look for debt-to-income numbers for a home mortgage applicant. According to bankrate.com, lenders commonly look for the ideal front-end debt-to-income to be no more than 28%, and the back-end debt-to-income, including all monthly debts, to be no higher than 36%. To figure out what a home buyer can actually afford to pay for a home, they really need to get a good understanding of their debt to income as a good starting point for deciding what they can afford when buying a house. The financial institution that will lend the money for a mortgage is also going to look closely at a pot potential customer's debt to income. And this is not the only consideration a lender may have. They, they might also factor in a person's Savings, investments, and numerous additional financial factors can also play a role in getting a home loan. When it comes to home affordability, it's important to be aware that the amount of money a bank might lend a potential buyer could possibly be more than a person should probably borrow. Just because a mortgage lender approves someone for, say, example here, a $500,000 loan to buy a home, that doesn't mean that person should probably spend that amount to purchase a home. It is almost always better to buy less than a person could probably afford when buying a home. Mortgage lenders many times push the limits on what they probably should allow a person to borrow for a home purchase. Just because they're comfortable with a particular dollar amount to lend for a home purchase doesn't mean the buyer can realistically always afford it. When it comes to affording a home and what you can afford, I am going to tell you that one of the important things to, to remember here is don't let the real estate agent dictate what you should purchase or can afford. You know, when most people purchase a home, they use a, a real estate agent. Almost all of these people, they work off of some type of incentive plan. And this means it's in their best interest to sell higher priced homes and as many of them as possible. There's nothing wrong with this. But it is important for homebuyers to understand real estate agents are looking out for their own interests first and foremost. If a homebuyer tells a real estate agent the amount of money they've qualified for to purchase a home, it shouldn't come as a surprise when the agent tries to show the potential buyer homes at the top of their financial range. This is what they do. This is what they're trained to do. Once again, just because a bank approves someone for a certain dollar amount on a home purchase, this doesn't mean the buyer should probably spend that exact amount. Now, if you currently are looking to buy a home and you're looking at what you can actually afford 
it might come in handy to to know what the average home buyer actually consists of. And according to Rocket Mortgage, the average home buyer has a credit score of 758 and a median salary of $72,615. The median home purchase price is $460,000 with an average loan amount of $291,000. The typical mortgage payment, you can be looking at around $1,600. Married couples make up 62% of home buyers with Single females, they're at 18%, and single males at 9%. The overwhelming majority of home buyers being married couples, it really should not come as a surprise because this often results in a household income of two people. When looking to purchase a home, you really do need to figure out exactly what you can afford. And like I said, spending the exact amount that a bank approves you for probably is not the best idea. And one of the reasons here is home affordability. As I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I, I did a podcast on the affordability of homes recently, how the prices are surging. The affordability of them, it's honestly becoming a, a big problem. Although the general standards being reported for purchasing a home might appear reasonable, this isn't necessarily the case. Using the median income of a home buyer at $72,615, and an assumption not to spend more than 30% of monthly income on a mortgage. This turns out to have $1,815 to spend on a mortgage before tax. With a typical mortgage payment of $1,600, this doesn't leave much money left for insurance and taxes and assuming the average mortgage you know, isn't including these. A single person with the average home buyer income would really have a challenging time with a mortgage if they ran into some type of financial hardship. What the deeper problem is when it comes to home affordability is many of the statistics, they don't include the down payment that was required to arrive at the average figures. The median monthly mortgage payment is supposedly $1,600, like I mentioned, but the average loan amount on a typical purchase price a $460,000 for a home is just $291,000. This leaves $169,000 that was paid for up front on average. Coming up with, you know, 20 to 30% in a down payment for a home purchase that costs $460,000 on average is where the real problem is, particularly for young first-time home buyers. The truth is, the true middle class is currently being phased out from the affordability to purchase a home without some type of generational wealth being passed to you know to come up with the money for the initial high dollar down payment to purchase a home. People simply many a growing number of people simply can't afford the down payment required to to buy a home. You know, especially when you look at the astronomical amounts people are now paying for rent. How do you save you know that kind of money for a down payment on a $460,000 home, you know, somewhere between 20 and 30% when your rent is close to what a mortgage payment is. It's, it's becoming very difficult for a lot of people to purchase a home. And this is particularly the case in certain areas of the country. I previously mentioned that, you know, I reside here in Florida near the Tampa area and 
I'll tell you, this area is exploding in population. The The road I live on, it's a two-lane road. When I moved in 15 years ago, there was hardly any traffic. Now it takes me 45 minutes to get to the store, which is about five minutes away. It's absolutely ridiculous. There's a traffic light there, and the, ba- the, the traffic backs up for miles. They're building um, a lot of apartments, and there's not a whole lot of houses that are for sale. And when they are for sale, they go for a premium. So it truly is becoming a problem. And particularly, as I mentioned, in certain areas of the country, when it comes to Florida, I really think Florida is eventually going to be much like California, hopefully, you know, not with the taxes, but with the property values, the property values are skyrocketing and being a property owner, that's fine. My taxes are going to go up, but the value of my home is also going to go up, but it creates a real problem especially in areas that the, the income that employers are paying doesn't keep up with the, the price of housing. What eventually is going to result, in my opinion, in this area is you're going to find more people homeless. You're going to find um, more problems with people having problems with the law, more, more burglaries, more drug problems. It's going to occur. And it's just a matter of, of when and how soon. Now, I will tell you one of the most important things that is is probably re- relevant with the affordability of a home purchase on what you can you can actually buy is, you know, as I mentioned, the many financial experts, they argue the 30% of a person's monthly income should be spent on a mortgage. But there are numerous factors a home buyer should consider on what they can afford. The home buyer's debt, the taxes, insurance, and maintenance of a home should also be realistically factored into what it will cost. You know, I've lived in my home now for, for 15 years, and I can't believe the amount of money it takes to just maintain a home. Because if you don't maintain it, then it, it becomes more expensive in the long run. So you need to have that money aside to, to do the maintenance. As a matter of fact, I just had an electrician out to the house today and a little bit of electrical work, you know, it's $1,000. So you need to keep those costs in mind. Those things are going to happen, and particularly if you buy an older home. My house was, was built in the 50s, and over the years, I've discovered many things that either need upgrading or they don't fit the, the standards of today. So let's say a, a door that you could have gone to Home Depot and, or Lowe's and just bought off the shelf. Now it needs to be special ordered because it doesn't fit. So those are things you need to keep in mind. Just because the bank approves a person for a certain amount of money to purchase a home and a real estate agent shows homes in that dollar range also doesn't mean a potential home buyer should spend at the top of what they can actually afford. When buying a home, it really is always better to buy less than you might be able to afford. And the reason for this is there are no guarantees in life. With a 15-year or 30-year mortgage, it's a big commitment, and life can change very quickly. Plan not for what you can afford today, but what you could realistically afford far into the future. Thanks for listening to the Smart Start Money podcast. If you like the podcast, please remember to subscribe. You can also visit the website at smartstartmoney.com for articles on life and money. On the next podcast, I'm going to be talking about slackers in the workplace. If you've been working for any amount of time, you've almost certainly worked with someone that does the least amount of work that they can. How should you deal with them 
and why do they exist?